Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So we're in the middle, or actually at the end, of a series of five episodes on how to undermine your Agile team and how to get the worst possible results. <laughs> the problem is I've forgotten exactly how we got here. Can, can you remind me what was one through four? Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll take you through the four assumptions of the unilateral control mindset. And of course, this is all from the article by Roger Schwartz on how unilateral control undermines team results and relationships. Or how to fail at at Agile, if you want to give it another name. <laughs> yes, exactly. Since uh, Agile does require you to have good relationships and uh, and good results. Indeed. So the, the, uh, the four assumptions starting from the top are Number one, I understand the situation, and those who do disagree don't. Sounds right. Yep. Uh, well, even better, this is like listening better. Number two, I am right, mm. and those who disagree are wrong. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, of course, I'm right. If I was wrong, I would think something else. Number three, my motives are pure, and those who disagree have questionable motives. Mm -hmm. And I think that's straightforward because. Uh, why would you disagree with me when I'm right, <laughs> unless Indeed. you had some other kind of uh, motives that we should question? And uh, because of all this, uh, my feelings and behaviors are justified, which is what we talked about last week about how, given that I'm right, uh, you know, th anything I might do to uh, get the right thing to happen is really quite reasonable. Absolutely. And those all fit together really nicely. And then they fit in perfectly to kind of form a pyramid leading up to number five, which we're going to be covering today, which is I am not contributing to the problem. Yeah. You don't consider the possibility that you're contributing to the very problem that you're privately and maybe publicly complaining about. It doesn't occur to you that your thoughts and feelings may lead you to act ineffectively. As a result, you see others as needing to change, not you. I, th I think I know this person. <laughs> well, sure. Because, well, why would I change if I'm right? That, seems, that seems very, very clear. And, and I, I'm not part of the problem. The problem is those other people over there. Oh, that's obviously. That's the, the, signal, the signal thing that you, you've got to get down. Yeah. I mean, that's th those other people, I'm pretty sure the reason that our, our meetings take so long. And, and I mean, there's many other problems they contribute to. Our, our stand-ups are a waste of time because they're never prepared. Oh, no kidding. Our estimates are unrealistic because the developers are too lazy to think through the details of the features they're building. It's someone else's job to write up the retrospective notes. <laughs> None of those are me. Yeah, clearly. And what I like about these examples you just gave is that uh, you know you you really could have said anything uh, as for the reason, right? You know, exactly. Just, it could be that the synonyms are a waste of time becomes no one's ever prepared, or it could be because everyone has prepared so much that uh, they have far too much to say when we should be just giving the very high level, or it could be something else entirely. But the, the crucial thing is, it's not because I didn't come with a, a useful agenda for the retrospective or whatever it is. It, I'm, I'm not part of the problem. Of course, because since I'm right and my behavior is justified, clearly my behavior could not be problematic when it's justified. And these all fit into, you know, I think that uh, our listeners who are looking to take this advice to undermine their teams, they will find it come quite naturally. And as we have throughout the series, we've talked about various cognitive biases, and we could bring one in again this time as well, uh, and a new one. This one's called belief bias, uh, which is the tendency to judge the strength of arguments based on the plausibility of their conclusions rather than how strongly they support the conclusion. And a, a person is more likely to accept arguments that support a conclusion that aligns with our values, beliefs, and prior knowledge 
raw rejection and counter arguments to the conclusion. And I think we set ourselves up nicely here. The conclusion that uh, I'm not contributing to the problem really, really aligns with our, our prior reasoning. Indeed, especially given the first four steps we had to undermining the team, this one just kind of caps it off. Yes, ab absolutely. What was novel though, as we were talking about the different sort of cognitive processes that go into it, is the first thing that came to, to mind this time, rather than being one of these cognitive biases, was actually what something uh, classified as a cognitive distortion. Uh, this is a new one. Again, we'll put a link in the show notes to this, but something described as emotional reasoning, which is the cognitive process by which a person concludes that his or her emotional reaction to something proves that it's true, regardless of observed evidence. So I think this is the case where if you find yourself upset about how something's going with the group and you're upset at the other people, then emotional reason- It must be their say, fault. Exactly. It's, it's their fault and you don't need to worry about it. And uh, I, I know you and I both come across so many cases where people explain uh, uh, their behaviors and it seemed to be that they're using this assumption of the unilateral control model quite nicely. Mm -hmm. So I have a, a good example of that, as I often do. So um, this guy really had this down. He, he was totally able to undermine his team. He was undermining a particular person in the team, someone who worked for him. And uh, unfortunately, he, he fired this person relatively quickly there after he had this experience. And I say, unfortunately, I guess it was fortunate because it was very successful in undermining the team. <laughs> what 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 he did was uh, he was disagreeing with the way she was behaving, and he he could very well have been right about that. It could be that there were things that she could improve, but he was really certain that he was not contributing to anything that was going wrong. It was definitely all her fault, and he would explain that at great length to me and others who were privy to his conversations. A perfect example of the problem that you're privately complaining about from Schwartz's quote at the top of the podcast, and. Yeah, what he would say is things like, well, she's uh, taken this action and the new process she's introduced to the team just doesn't make any sense. Everybody can see that. She's just brought it up because she doesn't understand how things should work around here. And you know what? She doesn't even listen or understand when I give her negative feedback and I would ask, well, how did you do that? And he said something that stuck with me for many years. He said, well, I moved her desk all the way across the room and she still hasn't got the message. <laughs> And we're probably laughing at that, but it's it real, shows real mastery of undermining your team. And he said it with a straight face and really meant it. And that's one of the tricky things about this particular characteristic. It's easy to see in other people, and it's easy to look at it and say, well, this is definitely undermining the team. It's terribly, terribly difficult to see in yourself because it feels so right. And the other four practices, if you really got them down, um, have helped you to, to kind of smooth the way for your belief that you can't possibly be contributing to the problem. Mm -hmm. So he was absolutely certain that his action of moving the desk across the room was a good way of communicating to her that she wasn't performing well, and he could not possibly be contributing to her poor performance by telling her only by mime, by moving the, <laughs> the, the, the desk across the room. And the challenge here, of course, is to make sure that at no point do you adopt anything like the principle, uh, I'm probably contributing to every problem. That would be the opposite. If you if you took that up, then you would stop undermining your team completely, and you would have wasted the whole last five podcasts. That's right. If you if you start getting curious that you might be contributing, then all the, all of our good work uh, to this point is going to be undermined. So you you describe we've built this great beautiful pyramid, and one sort of misplaced bit of curiosity about your own contributions could really bring the hold 
whole edifice down. Because you could learn that you weren't right and that you were contributing to the problem and that your feelings and behaviors weren't justified, the, the whole thing would fall apart. Yeah, exactly. And and you know the, the, the thing here is, I, uh, though we do acknowledge this as a risk, we do want to stress it is probably a very low probability risk. I don't mean to bring in jargon here, but there is every opportunity for this assumption number five to uh, result in self-sealing behavior, meaning behavior that will prevent us from ever coming into question whether our behavior is contributing. And I think this example from your founder is a really good example of it. If I have feedback to give someone, if I can give it to it non-verbally, mm -hmm. then I'm completely safe from that person ever telling me how I might be part of the problem. That's right. Exactly. Undermining your team and self-sealing behavior is a gift that keeps on giving because yeah. you, you just manage to keep reinforcing it all the time. You get into a wonderful loop where you don't communicate the information and therefore you believe that you're right and you just keep reinforcing things for yourself. Yeah, because you, you, what you'll see is the behavior that you don't like continuing, which, of you, course. which you can take as evidence that the other people, that their motives as you thought were questionable and uh, that they were wrong and don't understand what's going on. And you can see the evidence before your eyes because this behavior that you know should change, it doesn't change. So uh, I think this, this self-sealing aspect is great. And normally people are good at doing this in sort of passive way in meetings. They might sigh or shake their head. Or complain down the pub. Yeah, but the thing is that those things still put evidence out in the room. Other people might see you sigh, and they may then question, and they may follow up. Mm. And and but but I really like about this is your founder was able to take action when the other person wasn't around, right? And that <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that they didn't you know move her desk while she was sitting. She wasn't that. sitting at the desk. No, he just moved <laughs> it and said, "This is your new desk, and you're over here uh, later." Right. This is, I think, the end of the five and. Hopefully, we'll see how they nicely build on one another. And uh, again, if you get this right capstone, that you're sure that the problem is everyone else, it can help cement in all the previous pieces that you know you were right and they were wrong, all quite nicely. Now, the thing is that uh, this is the last part of this series, and uh, so now it's a question of well, what do we go to so next? So I, I was thinking maybe we should we should just stop the series there, and uh, <laughs> drop drop our personas, which have, have been a lot of fun to to, to keep up, but it, it's it's beginning to wear on me. Is it all right if we if we drop those just for the last minute or two of this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, guys, we don't want you to undermine your agile team. Really, we're <laughs> that 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 it, we haven't gone mad and and actually wanted you to do that. We're hoping that um, everyone's picked up. I'm sure everyone's picked up our tongue our tongues firmly in our cheeks, uh, con convincing you that this is the best way to undermine your team. But what we, of course, we haven't been doing is saying anything about how you cannot undermine your team. We've been saying all the behaviors that would lead to a unilateral control model, but we, we haven't said much else. So uh, I think that's what we should attack next. What do you think, Jeffrey? Well, absolutely. And I think, I think it's worth saying why we did spend so much time on this. Uh, we did spend five weeks on this one article and these pieces. And the reason is because we, you and I both think see these as so common. And mm -hmm. th this unilateral control model is behind the thoughts of of many, you know, wide range of dysfunctions in in various teams. I've, I've always reminded of the quote from Anna Karenina about how all happy families are alike, but each unhappy family is unhappy in their own way. The mm -hmm. symptoms that we see are are different, but so often behind them are the kind of unilateral control assumptions that we talked about this week. And once you get to know those, then it's it's easy to see them. It's so much easier to see them in the other person, though. You have to be careful. 
because you want to be looking for them in yourself. That's true. And the, the good news is that there are techniques that do exist to address these problems. And in other people, yes, but most importantly in yourself. And uh, you and I have become, over the last several years now, uh, a very, very excited and uh, have taken many opportunities to practice these techniques to Im improve ourselves and to help other teams. And uh, we're so excited that actually we're going to be uh, writing a book about these techniques. And how to apply them to your Agile team. But but this time we're not going to put our tongues in our cheeks. So, so our book is going to be about how not to undermine, how to make your Agile team successful, how to make sure that if your team is headed the wrong way, how to get it back on track using specific and, and I wouldn't say they're easy to apply by any mean, but at least they're easy to explain. They're they're not esoteric steps. So you don't need to go and, and meditate on a mountain for, for six years to, to master them. It's something you can pick up in an afternoon and then practice for, I don't know, the, the next 10 years. Yeah, that's right. Then <laughs> I like that because they are they are simple, but they they do take uh, a practice, and uh, and these skills are what we'll begin talking about starting next week and for for many weeks to come. And uh, we're really looking forward to uh, sharing this with our listeners and uh, and sharing our progress as we as we work on our book. Indeed, and we'll give you more information on that next time. We'll uh, give you maybe a brief, brief precy of the book and uh, what are the kinds of techniques we'll talk about and uh, get into those starting uh, with the next podcast. Uh, listeners, we'd love to hear from you and on your stories of how you've successfully or unsuccessfully undermined your Agile teams or the techniques that you think we should be thinking about for uh, improvement. Uh, you can get in touch with us as usual at troubleshootingagile.com. We've made the write to us link even a little more prominent. We, we did get a couple of emails in the last week, so we'd love to keep hearing from listeners uh, about what's working for them and what's not. So um, please, please be our friends. Tell us what you like and what you don't like, and we'll do our best to, to keep up with that. And of course, one one way that you can keep up with us is to click the subscribe button in whatever podcast software you're, you're using. We, we like it when you do that because then we, we know you're going to be there next time. We can do series like the, the five that we've just done. So uh, we'll pick up with some uh, details on the book next week. Uh, what do you think, Jeffrey? Sound all right? Yep, that'll be great. And not just the book, but we'll actually start getting into at least the first of the techniques as well. So uh, we look forward to start helping people dig themselves out from under this pyramid <laughs> of unilateral Indeed. control. We've now that we've told you how to get there, we'll we'll help you dig out. Excellent. All right, Jeffrey, uh, thanks, and we'll talk next week. All right, thanks, Carl. Well.